What is up, team? Welcome back to the show. Andrea, thank you for being here once again. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, first and foremost, what has been going on with your training, your nutrition lately? So I'm still in a diet. Um, I For the first like five or six weeks, maybe, uh, I lost pretty quickly and then things slowed way down. Um, I just... I don't know. It, there was there were a lot of different variables. Like my stress was kind of weird. Um, I like skipped over one um, menstrual cycle into the next, and so I didn't really know where I was at within that. And then, um, mm-hmm. like my blood glucose was kind of weird too. And I think those all pl- like pl- played into each other. But um, things right. slowed way down. And so it's just kind of like an experiment right now <laughs> with uh, my diet and my training, trying to get things going again. So um, just this week and actually like just today and yesterday, I'm like really getting it going on like a complete change with my diet. So like mm-hmm. very low carb, uh, much higher fat than what I'm used to. Protein is still fairly high. So it's not like keto or anything like that. But um, just right. basically like a complete switch in macros to try and, um, just get a response from my body. And then also okay. I've been in a low volume, uh, strength, um, uh, strength block for the last five weeks. And then next week is actually completely mm-hmm. off, which is like, I just don't ever do that. Really? <laughs> it's going to feel very weird. Yeah. It's going to feel really weird to not train at all next week. So just like a complete break, just to, I, I think just because I rated my stress a little bit higher last week, which I noted in my check-in was because my kids were being, <laughs> I think I was, I think I said they were being little demons <laughs> <laughs> the whole first half of the week. They were crazy. And um, I've told you already, like the stress, the start of school, like, I don't really feel like it's that stressful, but I know that it does create some stress, whether I'm like really thinking too hard about it or not. And I've also seen that with all of my clients in the right. check-ins this week. Um, so I think just like kind of like throwing a, a few things at me to bring stress down and get things going again. So it's kind of a weird, in a weird spot to answer that question. That is very interesting. Um, and even like talking about your cycle, it always cracks me up when, uh, like, one of our clients will, like, mention something about their cycle. I'm like, hey, I'm so sorry if this is TMI, but, like, <laughs> I'm on the period right now. <laughs> it's like, it's such I, a big I literally, part of it. to a weird extent, oh, yeah, I feel like to a weird extent, I could tell you, like, all the details of everyone's, everyone's <laughs> cycles, how everyone's poops are, like, all this stuff. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's not too much information at all. It is really, it's such a big part. Uh, even like us understanding where your weight is at or like, like I know uh, some of the clients we work with, it's like, Hey, my back, uh, my back, like seems to my back and like everything as a whole is just like, feels a little bit more inflamed and it's easy to like, well, what's like, what's wrong with me? Like, I'm just always, I'm like injured or am I injured or like what's going on is interesting. All the things that we can tie to just where you're at in the monthly cycle. Um, do you think that was just stress? Because that's pretty abnormal for you, right? The, the like slowdown of the, um, just weight loss. So or, just like, even like just skipping an over completely cycle. skipping a, skipping a cycle. Right. Because that's I like really a lot, that's a lot of irregularities. Yeah. I, I honestly huh. don't know. 
why. Um, it could have been, it could have, I mean, I never feel like I'm like super stressed. Um, right. Like I, I, like the kids stress me out whenever they fight and that's about, that's about it. <laughs> that's where I will like feel mm-hmm. it in my body. Like I feel the stress come up in my body is just when they fight. But, um, right. I I'm not somebody who like feels stress over like the start of school or like money or any stuff, any of the stuff like that. But, um, even if I'm not acknowledging it, it probably does affect me more than I think it does. And, mm-hmm. um, it could have also just been that it was the first month of, um, like stricter dieting. And I was obviously yeah. in a pretty, pretty good deficit cause I was dropping pretty quickly there for a bit. Um, so that could have been it as well. I, other than that though, I, I'm honestly not too sure why just skipped over one. That is and interesting. I would just say picked back up with the next one. So. Hmm. That is interesting. And I, I'd say that's just a lot earlier than I would expect. And like, I, I mean, ideally with most of the clients we work with, that doesn't ever happen. Right. Unless you are actually getting to the point where you're stage lean, but I mean, I know it's, and this is it. I don't think we've really breached this topic before on the podcast, but again, it is like, I know I've worked with a few clients too, where there will be like, Hey, one, one cycle for whatever reason is just missed entirely. Um, they'll typically go to their OBGYN or even like an endocrinologist sometimes just to make sure everything's good. And then like, sometimes it does seem to be just like, Hey, this is almost kind of a quote unquote fluke. And then like things are still normal. Um, yeah. But again, like we're speaking to this so much because for the listeners that don't understand, like many women, once you get to the point where either where you are very, very, very lean, so many of your sex hormones are produced by your fat cells, right? So a lot of women, as they will get very lean, or if you are excessively, if you're under eating and overtraining, will lose their cycle, right? And so of course that's something we want to avoid, which is again why we're making such a why we're talking so much on this topic, but. Um, that is interesting. How, as far as like the level of leanness that you want to achieve for your photo shoot, how close do you feel like you are to that? Well, (laughs) that depends on the day sometimes, (laughs) but, um, I, I have been feeling pretty good. And then of course, like, uh, like I mentioned, I, I skipped over one cycle, just went on to the next. And so now that I'm like, approaching Mm -hmm. the next one it's like I feel pretty puffy and don't feel like I'm very close at all but um during a normal day it I I, I'm liking the way that I look I can see my shoulders a bit more um I can see some ab definition and my waist coming in so I'm feeling pretty good um my coach Sue said that she uh thinks that I'm probably about eight pounds away um and I'm 12 weeks away from the photo shoot day. So we're, I think we're in a good spot. Okay. Okay. You have a good amount of time yet. That's the thing with photo shoots too. Anytime we're getting someone ready for a photo shoot, I always tack like three to four extra weeks onto the timeline because the worst place to be in as a client or as a coach is like those last one to two weeks before a photo shoot, just scrambling like you're way behind. Mm-hmm. I think, and how I always like to set it up is, okay, worst case, you're ready early. We can reverse you in for like the last three or four more weeks before the shoot. You're full going into the shoot. And again, like 
we have a great outcome. But again, like the the worst place to be is feeling like you're fine. So I think I I predict my bold prediction here is that you'll probably <laughs> see a big whoosh within the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah. Because I know you've well, still been on point with. I'll for sure. Well, yeah, I'll for sure. um, I mean, I shouldn't say for sure, but I assume I'll see a pretty big drop here coming up soon because I dropped the carbs so low. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, just, I feel like I'm talking about my cycle a weird amount in this, but like, I'm right at the height of my weight uh, in that. And so like, between that and like the timing of dropping these carbs, I assume I'll see a whoosh as well. Like hopefully like three or four pounds um, in the next week or so. So I, yeah, but like after that whoosh, it'll be interesting to see the difference in just swapping out the macronutrients. Cause my calories are pretty much the same. Um, so yeah, it'll right. be really interesting. Cool. Cool. I'm, I'm interested to see that goes as well. So basically you're just wrapping up a neural phase, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what, okay. I'll, what my next that's one what is I'm... since I've got a week off. And that, yeah, that's what you're That'll in as well. That would be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's been, that's been cool to experience because it's relatively new for me also, but um, yeah, it's been fun. I've actually, I thought I would hate it, but I have really, <laughs> really enjoyed it. When you said like strength phase or neural phase, I was thinking like, Ugh, I'm gonna have to do like uh, five. I'm gonna have to do like a Mark Ripito like yeah, five by five like, squat bench deadlift. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it's not not really like that. And it has been cool to it has been cool to run. My body does feel good already. So, um, are you in week three? The hit. I am in the middle of week two. So I have oh, okay. what I have five. I have five days per. I have five days per week right now, and then I have two. The fifth day is optional, and then I have two days of hit. Which <laughs> the rower versus assault bike debate. Yeah. Um, I thought I, I don't because you do so like hit as it's programmed for like these purposes. I think one of the primary reasons is to progress your anaerobic energy system right basically your ability to produce force very rapidly and like there's a lot it's a lot deeper than just that but um it's kind of like to pair with the neurological component here where we're basically trying to get better at recruiting more muscle fibers per rep and basically just being more explosive then we can carry that over hypertrophy later um do you feel like for like those 10 second sprints does the rower seem like because basically like what when we're doing hit, it's basically like 10 to 15 seconds all out, 45 to 60 or 45 to 50 seconds rest. That's how it is for you as well, correct? Oh, well, I'm doing 20, 40, but oh, ba- really? same basic okay. concept. Yeah. And maybe okay. that so is maybe because that I've got the rower. That's what I was going to say. Cause I know like the benefits from it, it has to be something where you can actually, it can't be limited in the amount of force you can produce. Like you have to be able to actually like, go all out and the thing is with the rower like no matter what you can't get rid of the like um the eccentric component of it right where you're actually like sliding back towards the rower and you're not like no matter what even if you're going really quickly there is still that component of it where you're like not able to push right you're essentially Mm -hmm. able to rest for a brief period of time whereas like the assault bike or something like that there is no eccentric right we're always pushing it's always that concentric um 
That that is probably actually the, the reasoning behind your intervals being a little bit longer than mine. I think so, yeah. Or it could part of it could be my uh, a lot of the reason that I have hit in my program is for nutrient partitioning. So I don't know mm-hmm. if that's also part of it, um, but it, the, just having the oh um, because I for whatever reason have a hard time um, like with the blood glucose control, um, the mm-hmm. having that hit cardio or even list cardio too, uh, will help with nutrient partitioning and storing carbs as glycogen instead of letting them just float around in the bloodstream. So that is a big reason that she has it in my program. And it sounds like, um, the plan is, so I went from five rounds to seven rounds. And so she's kind of like pushing the intensity and then we'll pull it back um, completely out for a bit. And so it's kind of like waving it in and out. Um, so it's not just with the strength programming. Um, it's just kind of, Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. That is very interesting though. It is so cool how you can look at all these different things, like how this person responds to carbs versus this one, or like how, like what your blood glucose is like, and then, okay, here's how we can improve that. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, let's then get into the questions. Let me actually pull mine up quick. We have a decent amount to dig into today. Um, all right. First one I have is how long should rest periods be? And this was in response to my post yesterday that was basically saying you need to take rest periods. Um, what's your take? It depends on what the adaptation is that you want from your training. So if you're, if you want a, if you want to work your cardio system, you're going to be taking short rest intervals and, or short rest breaks between sets and pushing it harder, like cardiovascular wise, so that the thing that fails first is maybe not necessarily the target muscle group, but it's your cardio system. So like if you take a set of let's say eight squats, you can completely change the uh, training stimulus that you get from it by just changing the rep or I mean the the rest in between. So you could do um, four sets of eight where you're resting 30 seconds in between, or you could do four sets of eight where you're resting two minutes in between. And one is going to be more of a strength or hypertrophy um adaptation and the lower rest interval is going to be more of a cardiovascular adaptation because that's the thing that's going to fail first versus having enough time to rest and recuperate between the four by eight with two minutes rest. And then you are hopefully having like your, your quads or whatever your target muscle group is fail first. Absolutely. And that's the context of it is so important as well. And that's the other thing about an Instagram post that's a tweet turned into an Instagram post is it's hard to get too much nuance there. I would say relative to what most people probably need more of most people listening have probably in the past done a lot of, Hey, my rest periods are way too short. I've rested like 30 seconds or maybe if I'm resting, I'm like bouncing around and like doing mountain yeah, climbers exactly. or some shit like that between my sets of squats, right? Where if you're, I would say if you're number one, if the number one outcome you want currently is to chase muscle growth, is to build muscle, you need to rest 90 seconds to three minutes. 90 seconds being the bare minimum. Most people typically two to three minutes between sets. And it does all depend on, again, like 
what the adaptation of our chasing is if we're in a strength phase, if we are in a more hypertrophy focused phase or if we're in a metabolic phase. But again, to like give a general answer, if the goal currently is muscle growth and it's not like, wow, my cardio system is the rate limiter, right? I really need to bring that up so I can actually build muscle or my strength is rate limit. I really bring that up, but it is, I need to build more muscle and I'm in a good place to do so. Then 90 seconds to three minutes. And I would say for between most compound lifts, probably two to three minutes, because again, like if you're in that, I'm resting 30 seconds between sets of four by eight squats, it's not going to be like, wow, my quads are just absolutely so smoked. I can't do these sets. Right. And we need it to be, okay. I've fatigued my quad fiber so much that this is a significant enough stress that my body is going to be forced to adapt and grow as a response to the stress and I'll grow bigger quads. Right. Thing is, if it's just those 30 second rest, like you said, it's going to be, wow, my cardio system is absolutely exhausted. I have to stop this set or my cardiovascular fatigue is just going to be so high that I can't keep going. Right. So we need to make sure again, the rest period is specific to that as well, but I don't think I have anything else to add to that. Yeah, I agree. And if you're somebody who has been doing those circuit workouts, then you need even more like to, you need to push even more towards the higher rest. Yeah. And I, we could look at it from the angle of what have you been doing? If you haven't, if you've been taking very, very short rest periods, you probably will benefit the most from going through like two to three minutes rest between most of your sets. Yeah. Because it's a new adaptation. Cool. Um, what question did you have? The question I got was during a deficit, is the goal to keep the muscle you have or should you be increasing weight and reps? Um, I would say always, I think it's beneficial to go into the deficit always with the mindset of, I can continue to build muscle. What I found with myself and my clients. So the goal is always to build muscle. You should always train like you're trying to build muscle. Now on the flip side, you shouldn't let that mean, okay, I need to keep beating in the logbook no matter what. Like some of it is we have to understand we probably won't be able to build muscle nearly as optimally. It is possible in a deficit, but it's going to be a lot harder. So we have to also be aware of like, this doesn't mean, okay, just no matter what, I'm going to be the logbook. So my form is deteriorating just so I can lift heavy weight. So I can like add a rep or add a little bit of load each week. We need to understand that yes, the progression probably is going to be slower, but the outcome we want is always, always training. Like you're trying to build muscle, right? What I found is like with myself and with clients, when we kind of settle into that maintenance mindset where like my goal is literally just to maintain muscle, it does get so easy to like, oh, my energy is super low today. So I'm going to really just like keep it around three RIR. And realistically, that's more like four to five RIR. And then like the next thing you know, you get to the end of your cut and you don't have nearly as much muscle as you thought you did. And I wish I, most people, no matter what, get to the end of the cut and don't have quite as much muscle as they expect they did. At least I know that's how I, because the reality is like for most natural individuals, that's the case. But um I think the mindset of it is very important. Like if you go into it, like, well, my goal is just maintenance. Most people will half-ass it a lot more and probably are a lot more likely to lose muscle mass than if you go into it with, I am still going to train like I am trying to build muscle. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I completely agree. I don't even think I have anything else to add on there. If you're constantly trying to Uh, push, push for more weight and more reps than during a deficit, what will likely happen is you are maintaining muscle. So it's kind of both. Yeah, absolutely. But again, it's like, we still need, 
what built muscle will maintain muscle, right? So yes, we know that your needs for muscle maintenance, like your volume needs for muscle maintenance are lower. But I think that really, especially like a deficit can really over-exaggerate, like can really convince you to take it very, very easy on yourself for in your training. And it can literally turn into like weeks and weeks of like, yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to maintain right now. And then it's like all three to four uh, to or more RIR training. You're just not mm-hmm. like, it's very easy to convince yourself to not do a lot in a deficit. And I think that's where people get into trouble. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. Next question I have is, do you ever have to reverse someone when first starting out? Or have you had clients new that are actually eating really low calories and just maintaining? So basically, she's asking, um, with brand new clients, do you ever find the problem isn't just like, hey, you're not tracking your calories accurately, and that's why you can't lose, but you actually need a reverse diet, or you actually are just under eating and still not losing? Yes, it's not that that never happens, but what is way more common is they just haven't had things dialed in on a very consistent basis. And so just getting like more protein on a consistent basis and not just Monday to Friday and dialing in calories, not just Monday to Friday, like actually getting all of these variables dialed in and doing that consistently every day of the week. Um, you would be surprised by how many people like it on paper looks like they would need to reverse diet, but truly just don't, don't have things as dialed as they think that they do just because hiring a coach brings that little bit of extra accountability and like just seriousness (laughs) to your goals. Um, that, Mm -hmm. that drives that little bit of extra attention to each of those variables. So, um, Uh, Yeah. So that's what is most common, but yeah, I have had people where the first thing that we'll do is reverse diet and make sure that they're eating a good amount first, but it's just not all that common. What about you? Yeah. um, I think that, and this is coming from, she's relatively new to coaching, super smart with training and her own nutrition and like helping other people with it. But I think that I know she's going through a cert right now that they're very focused on reverse dieting specifically. And I know like when you're first in the coaching space, (laughs) reverse dieting is something that we do, but it's kind of a buzzword and it's also somewhat misunderstood, right? Like there's nothing magical about reverse dieting in and of itself. If we look at the components of metabolism and we look at people that start with us that are eating, there are people, yes, there are absolutely people that start with us. They're eating very low calories and they aren't seeing results. They aren't losing. Like if we looked at, okay, if I, or if Andrea, you eating the amount of protein you do with the amount of muscle mass you have with the quality whole foods diet you have, um, if you ate this low calories, like we would think you'd lose very, very quickly. Right. But this client like isn't responding how we expect them to. Now, typically where that comes from is a, they're under eating protein. So if we look at the thermic effect of food, protein has a much higher thermic effect than carbs or fat, or of course that's ethanol, aka alcohol, which we don't typically include in like when we're talking about macros, but it is the other macro. Um, so by us ramping up protein considerably, you're going to be burning a lot more calories during digestion. Secondly, they're typically not tracking their steps, right? And that is a 
massive piece of this equation. Any listener that hasn't listened to the most recent episode that just came out with Brandon DeCruz this Monday, so what it would be like the uh, the eighth or something like that, middle early to mid August, uh, that decoding metabolism with Brandon DeCruz. We talked about this so much, but secondly, most people in the situation aren't tracking their steps. Right, neat is one of the biggest components of your metabolism. And when we look at metabolic adaptation, which is this process of your metabolism downregulating, NEAT makes up about 90, 85 to 90% of all metabolic adaptation, right? And that's, that's the thing for most people is typically they're under eating protein. They are moving less. They're not hitting a consistent step goal day to day. Muscle mass is also going to be a very important part of this. More muscle is going to equal a higher metabolic rate. So similarly, they might have not resistance training in a smart manner. Typically, people that are struggling with this also don't have like a considerable amount of muscle mass. So that's part of the issue. Um, and then typically, they're also eating less whole foods. Whole foods are going to burn more calories being digested versus like a highly processed food. So again, they have a higher thermic effect. So a lot of people do start the process and it is, okay, with where you're at right now, we can... You're not losing what you what we expect. Now, a lot of times we can actually increase calories, but hey, we're gonna get you also consistently hitting a step target. Like right now, your steps vary between four thousand and two thousand steps every day. Okay, let's get you hitting six thousand steps every day. Right now, you're eating fifty grams of protein a day, and you weigh one hundred fifty pounds. Okay, let's get you to the point where you're eating one hundred fifty grams of protein. And this is gonna be eighty to ninety percent whole foods. You're gonna be strength training three to four days per week, and since you haven't in the past strength trained, you're probably going to be a hyper responder to this. You can kind of make your newbie gains. You're getting a lot of muscle very quickly, um, a relatively large amount of muscle very quickly. So thus like that, someone in that scenario, yeah, we can feed them more food and it'll seem like magic because, hey, we're feeding you more food. And like a lot of times this is, but it, it's kind of like people see reverse dieting as this very mysterious, like kind of like voodoo magic, right? Where it's typically... These things that you need to have in place, again, like eating enough protein, getting enough movement, um, eating plenty of whole foods, et cetera, lifting, like adding some muscle tissue to your frame to increase metabolic rate for overall health. Like it's kind of more, we get all those things dialed in and we call this the primer phase. A lot of times where clients will go through this and again, we're, or sometimes we'll call it reverse diet as well. But yeah, a lot, I would say a lot of clients do come in and it is like, Hey, we're not going to diet you right now. Instead, we're going to focus on these things. And your body composition will improve. Um, but yeah, that's typically how I look at it. Again, it's like kind of just demystifying. And it, because it will often go in a reverse diet pattern where we are stair-stepping up calories. Because it is like, hey, you build more muscle mass. We're consistently seeing your step targets increase. You're losing pretty quickly. Okay, let's feed you a little bit more. And then you'll have more energy. Your body will kind of take the brakes off all these things it was doing to restrict your meat. So again, hey, let's feed you a little bit more. Cool. Like, let's see how much we can feed you and keep you getting leaner and leaner. Um, but again, it's more a product of all those other things, like the components of those calories, um, the fact that they're lifting, the fact that they're getting more steps, et cetera. Do you have any other thoughts on that? No. Do you, do you feel a pretty big difference in your energy whenever you start walking calories back up? Mm. I am not. So like, I think you're a pretty good example of ah, adaptive. It's actually a hard question. I don't know why that's a hard question. Yeah. I think you're pretty, I would say I do, but it's not like a massive, 
because I'm you're you're pretty adaptive. What do you say? Yeah, I notice a pretty big difference in my energy. Whenever I'm whenever I'm like That's... pretty deep into a deficit versus eating maintenance, mm-hmm. like I just feel right. like like colors are like, if you turn the colors brighter on a TV, like that's like my, my <laughs> energy goes from like grayish to colored. Like it's, it's, it's insane how much of a difference I feel. So I have to like really consciously okay. look at my steps and make sure that I'm getting a certain amount. Okay. Okay. And that's like, uh, to, for the listeners, what we're talking about is like an adaptive versus I call it a rigid metabolism. So mm-hmm. The other thing here is as well, when it comes to reverse dieting, as I alluded to, some people are going to be hyper responders to eating more food. So for some individuals, when we feed them more, they'll dramatically ramp up pacing, fidgeting, blinking, all these little weird little things. And even like it's decisions, like Eric Trexler used the example of like, hey, I'm going to go check them. I have them like walk out of the mailbox every day and check my mail versus like, I'm going to get the mail at the end of the week, right? Like there's Mm -hmm. nothing that important there. Like you make all these little decisions that you don't really think about, but you add up to a lot less calories burned or a lot more calories burned based on how much food you have coming in. Some people will, as we feed them more, eat a lot more, a lot more, a lot, or like as we feed them more, we'll move a lot more. So thus they can maintain on very high calories. And like, I know when we first started coaching together, like two or three years ago, that was you, like you were coming from a place where your maintenance was very high. But on the flip side, these people typically, when we feed them less, also eat also tend to see a big down regulation, all that subconscious movement, which means they'll also typically have to dig a little bit deeper to lose, um, which again is kind of you. I've got them on the opposite end of that where I have a pretty like, I don't notice a massive difference in my, definitely in my training, I notice a difference, but like in my day to day, like my daily steps, I don't feel like it's ever that much different. Unless like, I will say like when I was getting ready for the photo shoot, I did know my first photo shoot I did. And I, that was the leanest I've been. Um, I did notice then, like, I remember I was still training a couple people in person at the time. And I remember like taking a knee to coach someone through, I think it was a hip <laughs> thrust. And then I was like, I think I'm just going to like try, I'm going to stay here, here for the next couple of <laughs> movements that we're going to do as well. Whereas like, even like getting up from that seemed like such a big task. Um, but I have to be, I, I have to get pretty to really start to feel that past that I don't notice too much and I'm I can consistently like I don't have to take calories extremely low to see myself lose consistently like this last cat that I did we basically stayed at the same intake we did one 100 calorie drop through the mm-hmm. entire time of me losing like 30 pounds and that's pretty much how it's typically gone so I'm kind of the opposite end of the spectrum from you yeah you can definitely tell like with different clients too, like some of them you have to just constantly tweak things or make not, well, hopefully not like constantly make drops in calories, but like adjust certain things so that they do continue to lose. But then others, I'll, I'll have somebody who can just coast for months and continue to lose on the same calorie target. So it's pretty cool oh, to yeah. see the difference. Yeah. And that's the thing to understand too, as someone trying to lose weight you need to know that there is a difference there because some people will see like, yo, what the hell? My husband, the most common example you hear is like the husband and wife, right? Like I look at carbs and I gain weight and my husband like mm-hmm. just skipped a meal and he just loses so quickly. There is, there is some validity to that. And then it's, it's a lot deeper than just that, but there is some validity to like some people do have more adaptive metabolisms. 
some people have more there's not a word for the other end i always just say rigid um but having being aware of having a step goal is just very important for that yeah for sure cool um next question i have is what are your thoughts on bar classes and how to incorporate them with training schedule for a client who really likes them is this do you do you know this person's goal I don't know the client's goal. Well, for most people, the reason I ask is because um, for uh, unless your goal is to put on the most amount of muscle possible, then most people can do pretty well with like a three day full body split and get in enough volume to Mm -hmm. um, if they're pretty new, then to build some muscle. And if they are not super new, then they can still like at least maintain or pick a couple of different um, areas to build and maintain on the other muscle groups. And then just incorporate the bar class one or two days a week outside of that. So I have several people who are um, either doing some sort of cardio that they just really enjoy, like um, mountain biking or some other sort of gym class that they just want to do for their own enjoyment. And so we just designed the training program to work around that. And you can still make really good progress with the three days a week, full body sessions, or even probably better than that for a lot of people would be full body and then upper lower. Mm-hmm. Is, is that how you would I, I got a lot. arrange that? I don't, I don't have anyone that's, I don't know if I would have anyone that does bar or has done bar. I have a decent amount of clients who like have a Peloton, for example. And it's like, hey, I love doing Peloton. Cool. Okay, let's work it into your training twice per week, right? And if anything, that'll help your fat loss efforts. Um, to my understanding of bar, you're mostly doing things in like a shortened position, right? Like you're not doing, you're not like taking muscles to a deep like length and stretch. So do you, do you know? I did one bar class by accident because I went in thinking it was yoga, <laughs> a yoga class at the gym and it turned out to be bar. And <laughs> It was like, it was a community center gym. So I don't know. Sometimes they'll do like a modified version of a class. Like Pilates is not real Pilates where you use the machine and bar. I don't know if bar is supposed to be different, but it was like get into a quarter squat and like pulse there for a bit and then like do calf raises Mm -hmm. within that and then do like a core. So I I don't know if it's all like in the shortened position, but it's all like very small movements that burn. So that's probably why people (laughs) like it because it feels like it's working pretty hard because it burns. Um, But yeah, it was, it was really weird. (laughs) That's, that's what, to my understanding as well, it is mostly like you're not going into a deep squat, right? You're quarter squat and it's an isometric hold or you're doing pulses. So it might burn. Yeah. But again, it's mostly like in that short position, right? Which we know is like if you were gonna if you were gonna create a training program that got really people really excited about how it felt, but probably wouldn't be that effective for building muscle, we would just like do all short position movements, mm-hmm. right? Because a short position of a muscle group is gonna be where you're typically gonna quote unquote feel it the most. And there is gonna be a little bit more sometimes there's gonna be a little bit more pump, a little bit more burn, right? Chaz and I were just talking about this on the podcast as well. So, for example, like you think like the like a preacher curl or like a leg extension or a leg curl. All those are examples of training a muscle in the short position, right? Whereas like a Romanian deadlift is going to be your hamstrings in the lean position. 
um, the bottom of a squat is going to be of a deep squat is going to be your quads in the lengthened position where it might not feel like you might not feel the, the quote unquote burn or like a pump quite as much, but it's going to be a lot more disruptive to that muscle tissue. It's probably going to simulate a lot more growth. Um, so the thing is like the shortened position is going to be a lot less quote unquote damaging as a whole or like a lot less fatiguing. So the thing is with like a bar class, probably just from the novelty effect that it's someone's first time doing it, that would create a lot more fatigue or not a lot more fatigue, it would create some soreness, right? Their first couple of weeks, they'll probably be pretty sore from the novelty of it. But past that, um, it's going to just be like a, just with their training, you probably just focus more on the length and in a mid-range positions regardless. And like what they're doing, it would be different if they were like, we're doing like bar with barbells, right? And we're going to do like some deep ass squats and like heavy deadlifts, et cetera like like a heavy Romanian deadlifts, et cetera, and like spending a lot of time in like these very damaging positions. But like that, it's it might feel, they might like, again, like feel the muscles working, but it's not going to create a significant amount of fatigue. So I, I honestly don't think that's like, with your programming, like maybe focus a little bit more on like the length and mid-range positions because they're missing out on that at bar. Um, I don't really think I have anything else to add to that. Yeah, I don't think so either. Lengthened is what you would be, like you said, that you'd already probably be focusing more on that anyway. That's the, ironically, that's the part that causes the most disruption and muscle growth anyway, right? So even right. though you don't feel it as much. Yeah. I don't know if you can hear my dog. Yeah. So I like, don't think you hacking and coughing down there. <laughs> she's <laughs> I, I she's can't. a very Art, loud snorter. Been coughing a lot. <laughs> yeah, like right under Art, my feet. Our, our dog has been just like hacking and coughing a lot lately too. I don't know what her deal is. Oh, well, mine's 13. So that's her excuse. I don't know what your dog's excuse is. <laughs> uh, okay. We'll have to get that figured out then. Um, <laughs> anyways, do you have any other questions? No, that was, that was the, cool. my only question. Oh, that Cool. Well, I think that is all we have then. As always team, thank you for tuning in and we will talk to you guys next time.